What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20. What up? Z-Bot here with you Monday nights. Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel that, of course, can only mean one thing. It is the smoke break. Not on a victory Monday night, on a losing Monday night. Bills go down to the Jags 25-20 in London. Rubbish. Bloody hell. Trash. Bills fall to 3-2, second in the AFC East. The Jaguars even the playing field with the Bills in the overall AFC 3-2. That's where the majority of the entire AFC currently is, 3-2 or lower. There's only two teams currently 4-1 in the AFC. The Dolphins. Bills have already shown they're capable of taking care of them. And the Kansas City Chiefs, who the Bills will play in a couple of months from now. Other top contenders at 3-2. The Ravens, 3-2. Jags, 3-2. The Colts, a surprising 3-2. The Steelers, somehow, despite having a negative point differential, they're 3-2. And then, of course, the Buffalo Bills, currently 3-2. Two losses coming within the AFC Three uh, straight weeks of dominance going into yesterday were left behind on the plane. They were left in upstate New York and did not make the pilgrimage over the pond with Buffalo to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And we will talk about that in depth tonight, along with just a litany of injuries yesterday that have me still sick to my stomach. And we'll take a look ahead as the Buffalo Bills get set to take on a more than likely Tyrod Taylor led New York Jets team with Joe Shane as the GM and Brian Dable as the head coach. It is a Buffalo reunion in Orchard Park next week under the lights and hopefully uh, a get-right game. And uh, as of today, a necessity. Uh, Before the season started, you can go back and and fact-check me on this. When we were going through the schedule, I had said that I had felt this game was going to be a loss. This was two, three months ago, whenever the schedule came out, might, might've been longer. I had said, this game feels like a loss. Jacksonville is going to be over in London for two weeks. That's never happened before. It feels like an advantage to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'd also thought that Jacksonville was going to be much better than advertised through the first month here. And I just felt like that was going to be a game. The bills let go. Then the last three weeks happened and I completely shifted gears. I had the Bills winning this one in similar fashion to how they've been winning the last three weeks. The reasoning behind that, Jacksonville's offense was absolutely inept through the first month of the NFL season, putting up nine points against the Kansas City Chiefs, not even competing against a rookie quarterback-led who is damn good through the first month, by the way, in C.J. Stroud. Nonetheless, a rookie quarterback-led Houston Texans team. They lost by 20 to that Houston Texans team. Uh, and then, you know, we're given a real tough game by the Indianapolis Colts. They're better than we thought they'd be, I think, through the first month. And then really didn't get off the plane 
against Atlanta, the first London game last week, but you know, the Falcons didn't even make the trip 23 to seven, but only one offensive touchdown in that game. No touchdowns at all against the chiefs. Uh, so to me, I had seen this Jacksonville Jaguars team through the first month, not quite hit their full potential. And it had seemed as though Trevor Lawrence was being put in great situations to throw the ball, but was not taking advantage of it. He was one of the least pressured quarterbacks through the first month. It just felt felt like the bills were inevitably the better team going into yesterday. And I had felt that that was going to overcome a late week departure from Buffalo to London. I thought that was going to overcome the potential advantage that Jacksonville may have being over there for a full week. I had even said, I don't know how much of an advantage that might be. Um, it could be a disadvantage being over there for a week. We don't know because it's never happened before. Um, and we'll talk about that tonight because look, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses. I think they're readily available and I understand why you might want to make them, but I also hate when other fan bases make excuses, i.e. the Miami Dolphins last week. I mean, you just went on Twitter for an hour after that game, and that's all it was. I hate that, so I'm not going to be a part of that. But we are going to talk about the facts that were at hand. They are facts. Whether you think that they were a um, an excuse or not is another thing. But the fact of the matter is, is that the Bills went over there on Friday. The Baltimore Ravens play in London this coming Sunday. Guess when they left? And it's a, it's an easy guess because I just I just said left in the in the uh, in the past tense. They left today. Baltimore Ravens play on Sunday. They left today. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about why are the Bills the guinea pig in this situation being the team that has to go and play a team that's been in London for the first time ever for 2 weeks straight. We'll talk about that. Not excuses for why they lost. The Bills had every opportunity in the world to win this game. I just want to talk about that more in depth because I think it's a conversation to be had. I think from a scheduling standpoint and just from an overall fairness standpoint, there's something to talk about when it comes to yesterday's game. Let me preface once again, it is not the reason the Buffalo Bills lost that game. The reason the Buffalo Bills lost that game was 95% their offense and the lack of execution, the absolute lack in creativity in any ability to move the ball down the field. I don't know what that was. It wasn't a shell of what we had seen the three weeks before coming into yesterday. Uh, dash in a couple percentage points for Kyir Elam. My, I, I, we'll talk about that more in depth, of course, but the initial thoughts are, man, I was really rooting for Kyir Elam, finally going to get a shot, and holy smokes. You know, in a, in a profession like the NFL, you're lucky you ever get more than one chance you know oftentimes you will get a second chance plenty of people do right you know baker mayfield currently with another team he's getting a second crack there's plenty of guys who get second chances and take advantage of them kyer elam gets drafted in the first round has clearly not proven to be a starter or in the eyes of sean mcdermott even a bench player having been inactive the entire season going into yesterday tradavius white goes down you are forced to put in Kyer Elam, and he got absolutely cooked yesterday. Cooked in some of the more pivotal plays of the game. So dash a couple of points in there. And then, of course, you got to dash in the fact that uh, towards the end of the game, what more could you have expected for the Buffalo Bills defense? Every single person on the starting roster, it had seemed, had, had made a visit to the injury tent at some point. Um, and they were also completely depleted. And how could they not be? The Jacksonville Jaguars had the ball for nearly 40 minutes. 
If you noticed in watching that game yesterday, the Jacksonville Jaguars offense looked very reminiscent to another team that we know very well. I'll give you a hint. The Buffalo Bills. They beat the Buffalo Bills in the exact fashion the Buffalo Bills have been beating other teams the last three weeks. And that is running the football methodically moving the ball down the field in short yardage situations where Trevor Lawrence was taking advantage of exactly what was given to him, executing on third down, which they did a phenomenal job at yesterday. They did just about everything right, except score the ball, put the ball in the end zone. And that's where you really tip the cap to this defense yesterday, who I thought showed an infinite amount of heart. I feel terrible for them today. The offense did not do their part in London yesterday. That defense deserved better yesterday. All those guys falling like flies. You got guys stepping up. You got McDermott putting guys in spots to succeed. You got the Buffalo Bills defense down to almost their practice squad, forcing three fumbles in Buffalo territory. The Buffalo Bills offense cannot capitalize. Seven points at half, and that score is inflated. The Buffalo Bills do should... 20 points is not reflective of what that offense did yesterday. Garbage time points where all of a sudden the offense just seemed to find itself with five minutes left in the game. The first 55 minutes were non-existent from anybody other than Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. There was nobody else. And of course, the three weeks where I finally say I'm chugging all the Kool-Aid and this and that. Never been more confident in this team's ability to win the Super Bowl. You, you, you suffer two of the most devastating injuries you could possibly imagine. One in which yesterday I think is the most devastating injury you could have had on this team outside of Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. The loss of Matt Milano is... Um, he's irreplaceable. I'm sick to my stomach about it. Sick! The guy was playing a defensive player of the year type caliber through the first month. Nobody was playing the linebacker position nearly as good as Matt Milano was, except maybe his counterpart, Terrell Bernard. He's gone. Comes out today via Joe Piscaglia that linebacker Matt Milano will require surgery, but they don't know if he will be out for the entire season just yet, but he's not going to be back until at least the playoffs if the Bills are lucky. And... Not a whole lot of luck on our side the last uh, the last week here. And Matt Milano was just one of a litany of injuries, but one of two season-ending injuries. Daquan Jones, who had been playing incredible, a guy that you weren't entirely sure what his role was going to be on this team coming into this season. He's been playing remarkable football for these Buffalo Bills. He requires surgery as well. Not entirely sure, once again, via Joe Biscaglia, if he will be a season, a full season-ender, but he won't be back until the playoffs if we're lucky as well. That's two guys gone. Tredavious White last week, gone. Two all-pro defensive players gone in the blink of an eye. And it just so happened to be during a portion of the season where these Buffalo Bills were playing some of the best football on the defensive side of the ball we, we have ever seen, truly. Uh, a remarkable football, leading the league in a, a ton of statistical categories, none more important than turnovers. And even yesterday, you got guys like A.J. Epinesa have a day. You deserved better yesterday, A.J. Epinesa. He showed up. A.J. got off the plane yesterday. What a day from A.J. Epinesa. You want to talk about a guy being given an opportunity and taking advantage of it? You saw one yesterday. Would have loved to have seen another one from a first-round pick, but we didn't. 
You saw it from AJ Epinesa, an unbelievable day, an absolute shining star in a dark sky yesterday. I had said going into this game that, you know, despite I said, we will see this again. We will see, we will see a time where the Buffalo Bills do not look like they have the last three weeks. We will see that. It's inevitable. But, uh, oh, my God. The door was locked? Yeah, it's okay. Sorry, I haven't even looked at the chat. You know how it goes. I'm in rant mode right now. I'm sorry, love. How'd you get in? I had to go back to my Oh, you did? Well, you know, I can't take all the blame for this, by the way. Quick sidebar. Caroline loses her key every three hours. So I can't take all the blame for this. She never knows where the key is. Look at your chat. I'm looking at the chat. You guys are real nice and real, real great for, for trying to let me know. I wasn't even, I was, I was in my own. I'm in, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in a deep hell right now. She's inside. You guys are real great, including Namdi, who comes in with the super chat to let me know that Caroline was locked out. And Greg. You got a lot of fans, Caroline. She's inside. She's good. I'm not good. She's good. So like I was saying, you know, coming into yesterday, I had said, we're going to see the Buffalo Bills be stagnant again. And I don't know how much of that was just really due to the fact that this game was in London and, and, it, and it really depleted their energy and they did not show up because of it. I'm going to, I'm going to, in my mind, maybe it's uh, maybe it's a form of coping, uh, coping. I don't know. Probably in my mind, I'm going to say that that's probably something to do with it. Not all of it, but something, but where I'm at today, I did not bake in. When I said I've never been more confident in this team's ability to make a Super Bowl, it was predicated on their consistent showing here of dominant football in all phases. I had known I had known that 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 wasn't going to be shown every week, but what I didn't know is they were going to lose Matt Milano. And my mindset today is is a bit rattled because of that. I don't know if this defense is the same without him. We've seen it before. It just feels like when Poyer's not out on the field or when Milano's not out on the field, this defense is not the same. The Bills luckily have two games coming up where they should roll. The Bills, despite losing two all pros on defense in the last two weeks, are more than two touchdown favorites against the New York Giants this coming week. And the New England Patriots just, just followed up Bill Belichick's worst loss of his career with his second worst loss of his career. The Patriots today might be the worst team in the NFL. That's your next two games for the Buffalo Bills. If you had to ask me right now who the two worst teams in the NFL are, I would say, I'll give you three. Denver, the Giants, and the Patriots. The Bills have all three remaining on their schedule. The Patriots, of course, twice. Two of those games coming up the next two weeks are against two of those teams. So the Bills are going to get back on track. No question in my mind. I don't think you understand. It, it would take, I, I don't even know what it would take. The, 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 the stadium would have to cave in on itself, Dark Knight Rises style, for the Giants to beat the Bills this coming Sunday. They are that bad. They're that bad. They're horrendous. I mean, I don't even, I, I can't possibly fathom even one scenario unless literally the, the field caves in. And even then, I think the Bills are already up. If they have to cancel the game, they're just going to give the W to the Bills. I can't foresee it. And then unless the Patriots just have an all-time turnaround within the next two weeks. I mean, guys, they lost 34 to nothing to a Saints team that has no identity through the first month. 34 to nothing. 
Their only win is against the lowly Jets, and it was by a five-point margin, and the Patriots seem to beat the Jets no matter what. They're terrible. And we'll get into those games coming up. But once again, we're back to phase one, aren't we? We had said the Bills would not prove anything to anybody after that Jets loss until the Miami game because they were playing the Commanders and the Raiders. And sure enough, they beat the living shit out of both. But what did they do? They went out and proved it. They beat the living hell out of the Dolphins, and it was time to buy back in. And you follow it up with this just when everybody buys back in, and rightfully so, you follow it up with this. I'm fine with a loss, man. I'm fi- We're not going to win every game. It's just not going to happen, nor do I expect it to happen. But yesterday, when the defense does everything in their power with that many injuries to keep you in the game and continuously give you opportunity after opportunity, and you squander every single one of them, that, to me, is unacceptable. The Bills now have two losses in five weeks where they were favored to win the game and should have won the game. That is how great teams fall to good teams. That is how teams are at an utter disadvantage going into the playoffs because they are they have kept themselves from the one seed contention. Losing games like this does that. You know, the Chiefs yesterday, a game they should win, they win it, right? The Vikings could have easily have won that game. They were in it throughout. But the Chiefs just always find a way. To me, that's been the difference. Is the Bills will continuously do this. They will continuously find ways to do this. And it's always in a short margin, right? Last year, the Bills lost three games. Three games in total by a combined eight points. This year, they have two losses by a combined 11 points. Three wins by a combined 90 points. I think it's safe to say over the last two years, these Bills have struggled to pull out Close games. And yesterday, you could tell from snap one, the Jags were going to be in it. You know, these last three games, after the first quarter was over, you could sort of get a vibe that it was just going to be the Bills' day and the other team was not going to be able to compete. That were, that vibe was not there yesterday. And honest to God, the vibe was on the side of the Bills yesterday when it come to a team that you, you, you were looking at and saying, man, this doesn't feel good. A team that had punted four times going into yesterday, had what did they punt three, four consecutive times to start the game? Could not get a first down, could not move the chains, could not do anything. Uh, an incredibly disappointing performance yesterday on offense. I don't know how much of that is because of the scenario they were put in. I'll tell you this, and any honest Jags fan would tell you the same. I try my best to be as honest and bipartisan as I can with this stuff. You know how much I cannot stand making excuses. I cannot stand people coming up with a a bag full of horse shit to justify losses and this and that. I try to give flowers where they're due to teams that aren't the Bills, players that aren't the Bills. I try my best. And I know for a fact that if I was a Jags fan, I myself would admit that game is not the same yesterday if it's in Orchard Park. Any honest Jaguars fan would tell you the same. Of course, they won't. Believe me, all up in my Twitter comments, even when I preface in the comment section that this isn't an excuse, and I'll get to what I'm talking about in a little bit. It's a video of Roger Goodell laying out the format that was yesterday. Unbelievable. It's not an excuse. It is a fact. The Bills had to forego a home game yesterday against a team, a former playoff team. 
I, I, this is what bugs me about this. You're sending over great teams to London, great games to London. In a couple of weeks, you're going to see in Germany the Chiefs and the Dolphins. I'm not sure which team's losing out on a home game on, in that game. This is Bills aside. I want both those teams to lose. I, I hate them both, right? This is there's no there's no stake in the game for me, right? I, whoever's game that is supposed to be a home game for, they're getting hosed. That's a huge interconference game. The home team's getting hosed. If it's the Chiefs, mega hosed. You know how hard it is to go in there and win an arrowhead? You're getting hosed. I'm sorry. This coming week, Ravens, Titans, whoever home game that is, they're getting hosed. Especially when you're talking about these, these games being interconference against playoff teams. It's not the reason why the Bills lost yesterday. It just sucks to know that you lose a home game that you feel like the game would have been differently if it were in Buffalo. That's all. These are facts. The Bills lose a home game yesterday because of, of the scenario, and it blows. Because I think anybody who's honest, the Bills, listen, the way the Jaguars played yesterday, the Bills very well could still easily have lost that game in Orchard Park yesterday, no debate. The Jags played a sound game despite the fumbles, and you got to give the Bills credit for forcing them. But despite the fumbles, the Jaguars showed up on D especially, but also on offense. So the running game, absolutely on fire. Trevor Lawrence on third down, money. Calvin Ridley ate the Bills secondary, especially Kyrie Elam for lunch. He also ate up Micah Hyde on the most pivotal point of the game. They could have easily have won in Buffalo yesterday, but I think anybody who's honest with themselves knows that game's a bit different if it's in Buffalo. That's all. Not the reason they lost at all. It just sucks. That's all. And you know what's the other thing, too? Is if it was the, the, and this is what I hate, too. If the shoe's on the other foot, Jaguars fans, if they even exist, I'm not entirely sure if they do. I've seen like five or six of them in my comment section earlier this week um, or yesterday or whatever. Um, but they'd be telling me the same. And I have no problem with Jacksonville or their fans. I like Jacksonville. I've, I've been rooting for them to stay within the, the states since that was rumored, you know, for them to leave. I like Jacksonville. I like Trevor Lawrence. I love, I like Doug Peterson. And I was rooting for them heavy last year in the playoffs. I like Jacksonville. And what I'm getting at is I have no problem with them, their fans, or anything. I'm just saying I know for a fact if the shoe's on the other foot, they're saying the same thing. And it brings you down to the overall, the overarching problem here is that someone in, in these London games is always getting boned, no matter what. Sometimes it's in your advantage. Sometimes it isn't. I can't stand it. I hate it. And I get it. The NFL has got to tap into another market to make another quadrillion dollars. I get it. But why aren't we sending over, I don't know, the Giants and, and the Broncos or something like that? You're sending over top games. And that to me, and anybody involved, Chiefs, Dolphins, Ravens, Titans, Bills, Jags, I think everybody's put at a disadvantage because of it. I think it sucks. But that it doesn't change the fact that Jacksonville was ready to rock yesterday. The Bills weren't, and the Jacksonville Jaguars executed in all phases of the game. They looked great. That was the best game. That was the best game that Jacksonville had played all year. And I should have known better, too. I should have known better. I should have known that the Bills were going to get their best crack. I had just watched them play the Chiefs a couple of weeks back, and you would assume they're going to be giving the Chiefs the, their best crack, and they couldn't score a single touchdown. They couldn't crack 10 points.
another thing I want to talk about before we continue to talk about the ins and outs of this game from the Bills side of things or whatever. This is for both sides. Once again, this is not the reason the Bills lost. This was on both sides of the ball. You know, let's just let's just talk about let's talk about the London situation in itself. Okay, you want to send games to London. I get it. I get it. You know, I'm I'm a free market guy. I'm a capital. I'm pro capitalism. I get it. I get it. But if you're going to send these games to London, don't you want to put the best product on the field? I mean, you're already sending over the best teams, so clearly that's what you're you're aiming for, but don't you want the product on the field to be good? What I saw yesterday from the officiating crew on both sides, it was not just in favor of Buffalo, it was not just in favor of Jacksonville, on both sides. If I was not a Bills fan, if I was not a Jags fan, I would have turned that game off at half, no question. That was unwatchable football. And you expect new fans that live over in Europe to go to a game like that and think that, that, that that's enjoyable? In soccer, the whistle blows once every 20 minutes, maybe. And that's, of course, their gigantic sport. That was awful, awful, awful football. There was a flag. There was almost 20 total flags yesterday and nearly 200 total yards of penalty yardage. It was egregious. It was, it was, it was just so, so, so bad. It made the game almost unwatchable. And I don't, I, I think the one that I take away that I, that made me sick to my stomach was the third down that Poyer was called on a, uh, on a, a personal foul for uh Unnecessary roughness. I mean, what are what are we supposed to do anymore? What are these guys supposed to do? You know, but I thought on both sides, for, the Bills were not. Um, I don't think they were they were hindered by this towards a loss. Nor do I think it was Jacksonville. I'm looking at this collectively from the NFL standpoint. You're sending this over to London. You want to give these guys a show, and you want them to become new fans. And that's what you put out on display. It was egregious it was so bad and this is coming from somebody and all of us i'm sure that we watch most of the games right outside of the bills i'm talking about we watch most of the games every week i know i do i watch every single game every week and we're accustomed by now to seeing up oh, where's the flag big play up oh, hold your breath do we see any laundry we're accustomed to that yesterday was a whole different scenario that was unbelievable I mean, and you know it's bad too when the commentators continuously keep talking about it nonstop. That's all they're talking about too. And even on plays where there isn't a flag, all of a sudden, like the Gabe Davis touchdown, all of a sudden, wait a minute, 30 seconds after the play, oh, there's a flag. It was crazy, man. I thought yesterday between uh, just the lack of energy visibly displayed by the Bills, whether that was due to travel or not, it was there. The, the, the flags... You name it, the injuries, the players bitching about the turf field that was placed on top of the grass field. What a joke. What an absolute joke on the NFL's behalf yesterday morning. I don't care what fan you are. I'll say the same thing next week for the Ravens-Titans game. I'll say the same thing the week after with the, with the Chiefs and the Dolphins game in Germany. What an absolute train wreck. If you're going to do it, do it right. Pathetic. I want to get to what I'm talking about real quick before we actually start talking about the, the game, because that's what matters the most to me. The Bills had, despite getting outplayed the entire first half, I'm talking dominated 
They still went to the half down 11 to seven somehow. I mean, the fact that they took that game to, to halftime down only four was a minor miracle. So you can't tell me that the jet lag or whatever was the reason they lost. You can't tell me that. They somehow had this game at one score. I mean, you know, less than a touchdown at half. Almost impossible that they were able to do that. I want to just talk about real quick what yesterday was. And I'm talking about both the Jaguars side and, and the Bills side. Yesterday was an experiment. And you got it, you got it via the words of Roger Goodell himself this past week. And I just think if you're going to do something like this, why would you do it to Jacksonville, who's coming off a terrific season? They're trying to build their program up to get towards the top of the AFC. I think they're right there. I have felt that way since the since about the midway point last year where Trevor Lawrence was playing some of the best football in the league. I had felt, you know, Urban Meyer's gone, Doug Peterson's in. This team's really starting to hum. I had loved the traje- the trajectory that they were on, right? I loved it. Uh, so you got them and and Buffalo, of course, who's been uh, you know one of the top playoff or uh, Super Bowl contenders, quote unquote, for the last couple of years. Why are they being used as the experiment? Here's Roger Goodell on that uh, exact topic. The Jaguars are playing consecutive games over here and staying over here, and part of that is just uh, to see how would teams react to that. How would you know? Uh, is it a competitive disadvantage or advantage one way or the other? Um, we'll learn something from that that will help us determine, can we play more games? Could a team actually play over here? The, the guy comes out, he, he flat out says, this game is going to allow us to determine whether or not there's a competitive disadvantage or not. I know for a fact I would, I would rather be on the side of the team that was there already and had a game under their belt. I would. I don't know how you you wouldn't. But either way, if you're going to do this and you're going to try to to get some sort of uh, if you're going to try and get some sort of science test in. First of all, you need one more than a one game sample size. That's for sure. But secondly, why are you using two of your best teams to do it? I don't get it forever. The reason that, that going into yesterday, what who are the two teams that have played the most in London? The Bills and the Jags. Why? Because over the last 20 years, up until the last couple of years, the Bills and the Jags were two of the worst teams in the entire NFL. So that's why they were sent over to London to play so much. Now, all of a sudden, you're using your best teams. You're, you're, you're hosing the home fans from the best games, and you're putting them through these weird trial and error periods to figure out what's best for uh, the, the impending new franchise in Jacksonville. I just, I hated everything about it. I hated everything about it. And, you know, would I, would I be saying that this, would I be saying all this if the Bills lost? I don't know, probably not because I wouldn't be focus on, focusing on it as much. So I, I understand that. And it does sound a bit, you know, like sour grapes. I get it. But when you do end up losing and you sit back and you're kind of reflecting on all of it, to me, I'm looking at it more as the overarching uh, concept within the league itself, not just from the Bills angle. This whole thing to me is not good. And I, I was listening to Mike Florio the other day via pro football talk. And he had, he had been let known by a, a high up executive within the NFL that these London games are also not, they're not making any money either. That's the weird thing. Everybody's under the impression that they're doing really well. And they're really uh, boosting the revenue for the, uh, for the NFL. They're not so odd. Uh, I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that there. I'm, I'm done bitching about it. But when you got guys collectively, 
bitching about the turf. And I, I don't think you need any more proof than the amount of injuries that occurred yesterday. We haven't seen anything remotely close to that for the Bills through the first month. And then all of a sudden, everybody's in the injury tent. Then the amount of flags were just absolutely egregious on both sides of the ball, Jags and the Bills. Most penalties the Bills have had by a mile, and they were one of the least penalized teams going into it, as were the Jaguars. Atrocious. And then just the overall play on the field, which just seemed lackadaisical due to it being in a different environment and the travel and whatever else. My my, my last point on this, and I'm done talking about it because I really just I'm, I'm sick of I'm sick of even thinking about it, is that it, it's horrendous. It's horrendous. It, pull the Band-Aid off. If you want London football, make a franchise over there and figure it out. I hope it never happens because I think it's terrible, and I don't know how the hell you're going to do it feasibly. I mean, imagine the Bills and the Jags have to do this two, three times a year to go and play, I don't know, the, the, the London Kings or some bullshit. The, the, I, the, the thought of it is sickening to me, honestly. Truly is. You know? But it, it's probably inevitable. So... I guess we're just going to have to all get used to this. But you're going to see it now. The game last week, the Falcons-Jags, that game sucked. The game this coming week, I'm sure that'll suck too. So, whatever. Keep doing it, I guess. But, you know, once again, it, 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 is, not, it is not at all the reason the Bills lost this game. Uh, the Bills lost this game because they did not execute at all. I mean, they just did not execute at all. You know, I'm not dealing with this Jets dude right now. You're, you're done. I'm not doing this. How many times do I have to preface how many times do I have to preface that they're not excused? I'm sick and tired of it. These comments are the most annoying thing ever. Oh, my God. And I never let them get to me, but holy shit. The amount, you can't say anything anymore without it being defined as an excuse. You can't. It's unbelievable. You cannot say anything. You can't say anything that has a definitive fact backing it up anymore without you being accused of making an excuse. It pisses me off to no end. You got guys getting season-ending injuries on turf laid over grass. You know, these soccer players come over here from Europe, uh, from, from Europe to the States. They refuse to play on anything but grass. And, and, but that's not good enough for these NFL players going over to London to make you a gazillion more dollars. I don't get it. it, it they're all facts. It, it just pisses me off. You can't say a damn thing anymore without it being defined as an excuse. It's not. The Bills flat out lost that game. But there's also facts of the matter here that are being ignored. And one of them is that there was a team who had a game under their belt out there and a week to stay there or, and another week under their belt to be there. And you know what? Some of this is on whoever the hell's decision it was in Buffalo to move that game from uh, or to travel to that game on Friday. I, I don't know. I, I, the, 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 it's just odd to me is all. Why are the why are the you think the rate? You know what I'm guessing? I don't know. The, the, the Ravens probably watched yesterday and said, we're not doing that. The Ravens left today. They play on Sunday. I have made flights like that before several times, these long flights. I don't know if you guys have, but if you have, I'm sure you know the feeling. It takes a bit to get acclimated. They left on Friday, and when we're talking, if you're talking upstate New York time, right, New York time, the Bills had to get up at what to play that game? 4 a.m., 5 a.m., the game starts you're on the field getting ready for the game at at least 8 a.m. our time. It's just horse shit. It's a crock of shit. And you're dis I thought I think it's a disadvantage to all these teams. You got you got 
Right now, if the season were to end end today, right? If the season were to end today, it's a tie for first place in the AFC for the Dolphins and the and the and the Chiefs. Those two are battling in Germany in two weeks. So that's one of the best games of the year. And it's being shipped off to London or to Germany. I'm sorry, but I think that that's bullshit. And the Bills have nothing to do with that. And it doesn't help at all when you when, when you have to do all when you do all that. And then the and then they and they still play that bad. By the way, I'm gonna double check. People are asking who's losing that home game. I'm actually interested in that. I'm I'm interested in that as well. Because if it's the Chiefs, yeah, it's the Chiefs. It's the Chiefs. If I'm a Chiefs fan, I am livid. Dolphins going to Arrowhead is in infinitely different than Dolphins going to Germany. The Chiefs lose a home game there. Which I'm shocked, by the way. Guess that goes against all the people who, as of late, are just continuously coming up with these conspiracy theories for the Chiefs. I, I don't believe them. That's a huge loss for the Chiefs. That's a huge loss. You cannot tell me that it is different. That it is not different. A game in Arrowhead versus a game in Germany. I'm a big Penn State football fan, right? White out every year, 110,000 people. And that's always their biggest game of the year, whether it be Michigan, Ohio State, whatever. You cannot tell me that if, the, if, the, if Penn State were to have their biggest game of the year, the whiteout game, moved from Beaver Stadium to Germany, that that game isn't different. You can't tell me that. Because it 100% is. That's why every team always feels better about any given game when the game's at home. And that's why you have to capitalize on those opportunities when given to you. Why do you think everybody wants to fight for the top seed in the NFL anyways? You can only get one buy anymore, so it's not even necessarily the buy. Most of it is so you can be what? At home. Because why? There's an advantage to it. The, 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 the game, the, the playoff structuring is the reward for moving up the playoff scale is to be at home. And why would that be a reward? Because there might be some sort of an advantage to it. So the Bills are now three and two. Dropped two games that, you know, they were favored in. Should have won. On paper, at least. The Bills, the Bills had no business winning that game yesterday. The Bills had absolutely no business. Sorry. The Bills had no business winning that game yesterday. That's not a game like the Jets where after the Jets game, you could say to yourself, man, the Bills beat themselves and they beat themselves good. That to me was the primary justification for that Bills loss. If Josh Allen does not throw four egregious interceptions in that game and double fumble a snap, please let me know the scenario where the, uh, the Bills lose that game. They did everything in their power to lose it. Yesterday, the Jaguars just flat out played better ball. They played phenomenal defense, and they really played phenomenal offense. They just stalled out when they got into Bills territory. Once again, credit to the Bills defense, who made some phenomenal plays to keep that game close. I'm talking unreal plays. But 
it, it, it wasn't even close. Yesterday, uh, the product or the, uh, the the battle on the field was 100% in favor of the Jacksonville Jaguars. They were the clear-cut better team out on the field yesterday. I mean, in, in all phases. And, you, and once again, it's one of those games that I think you can see the stats and they are reflective of what we saw. Uh, the, the Bills got away from everything that they have been doing great over the last three weeks, truly. The Bills have been running the ball exceptionally well. James Cook had been flashing. This team was pounding the rock and therefore were setting up incredibly great um, play action opportunities. Josh Allen, currently the best quarterback in the league when running play action. It was opening up a world of opportunity for this offense. And on top of that, you know, Josh Allen was taking what was given to him and they were executing on all cylinders. The Jags did exactly that yesterday. And you open up a page, everything's got a damn ad. Everything. I'm already a Prime member. I've been a Prime member for years. Why are we advertising? Why continue to advertise? I'm never going to not have Prime. It's all I don't go to the store. Everything I buy is on Amazon. Why are you advertising to me? 10 rush attempts by running backs yesterday. 10. Five carries for negative four yards. For James Cook. Forty rush attempts for Jacksonville. Forty. For uh, eyelash shy of 200 yards on the ground. This team had almost 500 yards of total offense. 500 yards. And that's why I keep saying the fact that Jacksonville had 11 points at half, you could not have had uh, uh, like, this is why I can't, I can't bake in all the other things I'm talking about as, as excuses. You can have all the excuses you want. At the end of the day, the bills got steamrolled in that first half and went to the locker room down four. That game should have been at the minimum, like 17 to seven minimum going into half. And they were getting the ball first out of the half. It could not have been, they could not have been in a better situation. And they could, they did not even close to capitalizing, not even close. Um, they completely abandoned the run game. And now granted it was not working, but there, there was also, you know, no, no, there was no creativity to it. The only running that they do is line up in the shotgun and they do a halfback dive off either the right or left side of Mitch Morris in the A-gap. That, that is all that they do. They do not do anything else in the run game. Now, they've been running the ball exceptionally well, so I guess the game plan, and, what, and this was pretty inevitable, it seemed like the game plan going into yesterday was pretty, it was, it was like copy-paste, right? Command-C, or you know, whatever. Uh, Command-C, Command-V. That, 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 that is what it felt like. And you just can't do that when you're when you're a team of the Bills caliber where you are going to get everybody's best crack every week and they're going to be ready to find a way to exploit you. What worked last week isn't necessarily what's going to work this week. I mean, ask, ask the Dolphins. The week prior to playing the Bills, they score 70 points on that uh, on offense. And after the first quarter, the first quarter and a half of that football game in, in Buffalo last week, they, they would go on to score six. They put up 20 points. I mean, you, we all know this. All, we all know this. 
You cannot just continuously go back to the well a million times. And that seemed to be what the Bills were doing yesterday. There seems to be absolutely no creativity to get Dalton Kincaid involved. If you look through the beginning of the season here, and this is what pisses me off too about him, is I'm watching Sam Laporta uh, in, in Detroit take over the league. I'm not sure he's not a top five tight end in this league right now. If you watch Sam Laporta at all, the rookie out of Iowa in Detroit, he's playing some of the best tight end in the league right now. And through the first three weeks, or excuse me, through the last three weeks, Dalton Kincaid has had two catches, four catches, and two catches. Two catches against the Commanders for three yards. Four catches against the Dolphins, 27 yards. I'm pretty sure that's his best day. And two receptions yesterday for 19 yards. There's nothing there. There's nothing. And the dude's a rookie, so I'm not, I, I never went into the year expecting uh, you know, Tony Gonzalez numbers. I didn't. But what it seems to be to me is that there is no urgency at all to get him the ball. Because if we let's take a look, let's just go ahead and take a look at the at the targets. That in itself will will tell the story. He has 19 total targets on the year. That's it. 19 total targets. I mean, hell, yesterday Jamar Chase in one single game against the Arizona Cardinals had 15 catches himself. You get the ball to the guys you want to get the ball to. That's why Stephon Diggs has been absolutely tearing the league apart. But yesterday you saw it was Stephon Diggs and that was it. They got the ball to Gabe a couple of times. I don't want to hear the bitching about the drops. Okay, he had one crucial drop. Gabe Davis has been playing real well the last few weeks. He has. So sick of every time. Yesterday, it's all I saw people ripping him apart. He's been fine. More than fine. He had a crucial drop yesterday. We can point fingers just about anywhere yesterday. Million guys had bad days. But we're talking about 19 targets for Dalton Kincaid through the season. 17 catches. Uh, that's about that's that's what I like to call automatic. That does not get better. That is that is that is about as perfect of a stat line as you can have when you're catching the ball in the league. And he he has just over 118 yards. Now let's just let's just talk about this most similar example that we can have, and that is another rookie uh, tight end currently. That is just tearing the league up. Sam Laporta has three touchdowns, is averaging 12, almost 12 yards a catch, and has almost 300 yards on the year. He has almost tripled up everything uh, based on the stat. He's almost tripled up the entirety of, of uh, Don Kincaid's stat line. From targets to whatever. And the one thing that you'll notice, and maybe this is the difference, because I do look at the, the, the catches, and this is actually uh, shocking me. This is the last thing I looked at, and this is a little bit shocking to me. He does only have 25 catches, but here's the difference. Here's the difference. He's averaging 12 yards a catch, and Dalton Kincaid is averaging less than seven. The only time they're getting Dalton Kincaid involved is underneath. There is nothing being drawn up to go down the field. There's nothing being drawn up to go even in the in, in the middle of the field. Nothing, you know, 10 plus yards out. Everything is an out. It seems like everything is an out to the sideline, a curl route right in, uh, right beyond the line of scrimmage. It seems like Dorsey is doing an extremely great job of getting 
Stephon Diggs open, and at times, Gabe Davis, he is not getting, he is not creating ample opportunity. At least it seems like this. He is not creating ample opportunity for these tight ends. I mean, even, you know, yesterday you had, you had an opportunity to hit Knox deep. It was high. I don't expect Austin Knox to make a one-handed catch like that. Uh, I also thought on that particular play, it was a third down play. Josh Allen had James Cook wide open in the flat. He also could have ran it, whatever. It's one of a few plays that just stood out that, you know, could have, should have, would have. But, you know, Dawson Knox's stat line through the first month, too, has been not good. And it makes you wonder, you got two tight ends that everybody was real excited to see collaborate, and they're not getting him involved. You know, Dawson Knox has 11 catches on the year total, 11. 11 catches for 75 yards. I mean, that's like unacceptable. And it's, and, it's, and it's crazy to think of because. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day to find out more. Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Of the points the Bills have put up the last three weeks. But, you know, Diggs and Davis have been getting in the end zone nonstop. Why not unleash a couple of, the, of these other guys? Because you have them. I mean, you just re, you re-signed Knox and paid him a handsome, a handsome amount. And you go out and draft another guy who many were saying could be the best in the draft class. Well, so far, that's not even remotely true. Because we have we have seen what Sam Laporte is doing, but they're they're utilizing him. We don't know what, how great Dalton Kincaid would, could be. I don't think I, I don't think he's gotten a target beyond ten yards, so we have no idea. So that's an, that's one thing that you, you you watched yesterday, and I just don't know if there was anything additionally, you know, inserted into the playbook, or there was any added creativity ba- that, other than what we have saw seen, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks. Diggs, once again, just absolutely phenomenal. But outside of that, they couldn't take advantage. I mean, a microcosm of this game would be the drive, I think it was mid-third quarter, where the Bills are backed up against their own goal line, and Josh Allen hits Diggs for a 40-yard bomb, might have even been more than that, 50-yard bomb, automatically gets them into Jacksonville territory. They don't even get a field goal on it. They, they, They bomb it down to Diggs, instantly in Jaguar territory, the next two plays do not gain a single yard, and after they get over midfield, they immediately go three and out and have to punt the ball. 
I just kept waiting yesterday. I don't know if you're like me, but this is how I felt. I kept waiting. Like the defense would would make a remarkable play. Two strip sacks for fumble, or three technically, but two recovered fumbles. The Jaguars had the ball three different times in in Bills territory for points, and the Bills forced a fumble on three different drives. One right before the half. That was one of that was part of the miracle. That was the Bills being within a touchdown of that game going into half. Unreal play from AJ Epinesa. Another one right in almost the exact same spot of the field takes away at bare minimum a field goal, potentially a touchdown. And then another one later in the game where the Jags are on the Bills 45 and Lawrence mishandles the snap but gets it back. And then the Bills are right on it and force him to fumble it away again. The ball bounced out of bounds, but that backed the the Jags up far enough to not be in field goal range. Three different drives that the Bills defense found a way to keep the Jags off the scoreboard despite them getting down in scoring territory. It was bend but don't break mentality all day, and the offense just never gave its fair share. They never did. And when they finally seemed to get something clicking, it was far too late. It was just far too late. What some, this, this happens often, and it's sometimes, you know, to me, it just never makes sense. Like, all of a sudden, Allen's just ripping the ball on target, moving the ball at will right at, right at the end of the game. Isn't that nuts? It's not there all game. Then all of a sudden, the Bills are in the end zone within three, four plays on that one drive. And you're thinking to yourself, there wasn't, there wasn't, a, uh, there wasn't a morsel of that. 55 minutes early, throughout 55 minutes prior to that. To me, this game came down to two things. It came down to a absolute lack of execution on offense. It just felt like they never showed up. And when they finally seemed to get something going, it, like I said, just far, far too late. So the offense never, they really never gave this team a chance. It continuously felt like they had a chance because of what the defense was doing, but the offense never capitalized. And like I said earlier, you just kept waiting and waiting and waiting for the offense to take advantage. The, the defense would do something extraordinary, and you're like, oh my God, there's still somehow a chance to either to take the lead, really. There's still a chance to just go down and take the lead on one drive. That's all we need. One drive right now. Could not do it. Could not do it. A single time. Never had the lead yesterday. Never once. Like I said, I get being beat. I understand losing a game. You know, Jacksonville's a damn good team. They hadn't really showed how good they were through the first month, but they they did yesterday. Ran the ball extraordinary well, extraordinarily well. Like I said, almost 200 yards on the ground. Uh, I mean, Travis Etienne absolutely ate, and I know this to be true. At least I got one benefit out of this. I, I have him on my fantasy team. Uh, he had almost 40 fantasy points against the Bills yesterday. He had uh, he had 136 yards on 26 carries. So he, he, he took the ball 26 times, right? And had over five yards of carry on 26 attempts. Of course, that one major run that was the back, you know, the, the backbreaker late in the game to get into the end zone. But that he had almost 200 all-purpose yards. He was also pretty damn dominant through the air too. He had he had a uh, 48 yards through the air, almost 200 all-purpose yards. 
And I had said last week going into the Dolphins game, I said a real big key for the Bills to victory here is that their defense can stop the run game. And they were able to do that by, one, getting a sizable lead and making the Dolphins sort of bow on it. But two, they were able to shut it down and therefore put the hands of put the ball in the hands of Tua, and that's what the Bills wanted to do. They wanted to take away Tua's first read and not allow the Bills to run the ball. Or, excuse me, the Dolphins to run the ball. That's what they did. But in this game, the game was 100% dictated by the ground for Jacksonville, and they were they were absolutely doing whatever they wanted. Almost 200 yards on the ground. They ran the ball 40 times for nearly five yards of carry. You're not going to win many games like that. Uh, and, you know, it, it's exactly, almost it's exactly what the Bills did to uh, the Raiders. And you can even see it reflected in the time of possession. The Bills had the ball against the Raiders uh, for over a little over 40 minutes, while the Raiders had the ball for a little less than, than 20. And in this game, the Jaguars had the ball for almost 40 minutes. The Bills had the ball for, for a little less than 22. They literally had the ball for almost 20 more minutes in the game. You are not going to win many games like that. The fact that they were in that game as long as they were is truly a testament to this, to this uh, defense stepping up d- despite being completely depleted. Um, so as I was mentioning earlier, this game came down to two things to me. One, just no, no show from the offense. There were times where Diggs and, and Allen seemed to really be connecting and balling, but it would stall out. I mean, there was no consistency on offense at all. They absolutely could not get a run game established, not even a little bit. And yeah, I mean, Allen's numbers look nice, but it was just him and Diggs. And they could, uh, you can have all the numbers you want. When you, oh my God, again with this shit. You can have the best numbers in the world, but, you know, I mean, Tua's numbers uh, technically looked good last week, too. I'm not saying Josh had a bad day. I don't think he really did have a bad day but he did not have a great day and nobody outside of Diggs had even remotely close to a good day on offense. Nobody, nobody. The offensive line got destroyed, destroyed yesterday, just ate up and nobody uh, in the weapons department stepped up at all. Like I said, 29 total yards of rushing James cook, only five carries for negative four yards. And uh, in the, in the receiving department, um, it's 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 essentially been what it has been, and I, I should I, I don't know why I don't I I keep leaving Davis out of this, I, I, and I'm glad Sword Brothers saying this. He did. Gabe Davis did have a good game. Um, I I, I have been meaning to put him in that um in this conversation I, I'm I'm having here, which is it seems as though this offense is just going through those three at times when you have many other assets to. I have that too. I wish you could customize the ad somehow. Like advertise it to me something cool. Whatever. Anyway, I, I Gabe has had Gabe had a real good game yesterday and has had a real good beginning to the season, in my opinion. Um, but what I'm getting at is it just feels like it, it's kind of a carbon copy every single drive where it's okay, let's get the ball to either Diggs or Davis. And Diggs, you know, of course, is always going to get the bulk of the of the targets, rightfully so. I get that. But why does Dalton Kincaid have two targets? Why does Dalton Kincaid have two targets? He catches almost every target you, you give to him. I don't get it. Anyway, 
two things, creativity and overall just non-existent offense yesterday, despite the numbers. The numbers were fine. You know, Diggs' numbers looked great. If you looked at the stat sheet, you'd think that they won the game, honestly. If you, well, if you, didn't, if you didn't look at the running game, that's, that's leave that out of it. But if you looked at Allen's numbers and the receiving numbers from, from Diggs and, and Gabe, you know, you would, uh, you would have thought that they won the game. But they could not score. It just, they could not even get really close to scoring. What, it, just, it just was not there. No ability to get down near the end zone and punch it in. So that's one thing. The other thing to me that I thought was a ma- just a massive blow, a massive blow to this team yesterday, the third down defense and the inability to shut down Calvin Ridley. Trevor Lawrence picked them apart on third and long yesterday, and it was in a couple of the most crucial moments of the game. The Bills somehow despite not having the ball the whole game, despite being outplayed the entire game, just not having an answer. The Bills somehow late in this game have an ability to stop the Jaguars on third down and get the ball back. And they do what they have not really been doing all year, and they send the entire house at Trevor Lawrence and leave Micah Hyde in single coverage with a receiver that's much younger than he is at this point in his career and is not meant to be in single coverage with a receiver like that. And Trevor Lawrence put that ball on a dime. Third and long, they almost get to him, but you you trade off the ability to get pressure by leaving Calvin Ridley on in a one-on-one situation. And they basically said, Lawrence, make the throw, right? They were They were essentially showing you that they did not have trust in Lawrence being able to make that throw. And he made the throws all day long. He did absolute dime on that play. That was a backbreaker. If the bills can get the ball back there, maybe we're having a different conversation today. And then another one, there was actually two of these where the Jags are backed up against their own, their own goal line. And it's third and seven, third and eight. And Kyrie Elam just gets cooked. They kept going to the sideline on Ridley. Every time. And that's why Ridley had a great day yesterday. He, he was just eating Calvin Ridley for breakfast or uh, Kyrie alone for breakfast. He, he basically had the exact same numbers as Stefan Diggs yesterday, had yesterday uh, because Diggs, what did he go for? Yeah. Diggs went for eight and one twenty one. Calvin Ridley had seven for one twenty two. and receivers have not been doing that against the bills at all this year. And I get Tredavious whites out, but th- that the glaring issue uh, at hand is the, is the lack of, um, replacement at quarterback and I get it today. What do you get? You go out and get Josh Norman. I I mean, do you feel any, I said to my dad, we were talking about it earlier. I go, all I know is what, whatever you think about Josh Norman, who's basically retired at this point, whatever you think about him, all I know is it can't be any worse than what Kyrie Elam was yesterday. Uh, He, he was a major, major liability, a major liability. There were several key moments in the game mostly third and longs, right? Third and mediums, third and longs where Elam got, oh, he just got manhandled and Calvin really took him to town and credit to Lawrence, put it right on the numbers every time. Trevor Lawrence had a real great day yesterday. I thought, you know, there were moments that maybe, maybe he wasn't having uh, the most incredible day of all time, but I had felt in the moments that mattered most, he made when he had the ability when he wasn't getting strip sacked 
in the moments when he was able to get rid of the ball, he did it on a dime almost every time. Um, but to me, that's what the game really came down to. Just really no energy at all on offense. And then the lack of the, the lack of ability to stop the Jaguars on third down, especially when it mattered the most. It's so hard for me to really beat up on this defense when they did hold the Jaguars to 11 points at half and had the bills in this game the entire time, despite the offense never showing up. Um, but you know, at the same time, they did allow almost 500 all purpose yards. And if it weren't for two tremendous plays and I can't discredit it, they made those plays. So you have to, I mean, you have to bake them in, but they, they, the, the score, in my opinion, might not be as reflective of how dominant Jack, Jacksonville was in that game yesterday. They really controlled the game on both sides of the ball. They were the better defense yesterday, and they were the better offense yesterday. And, um, and I thought that was pretty inevitable throughout the, almost the entire duration of the football game. Um, The other reason I can't really dog this defense too much, you're able to hold the the Jags at bay on the scoreboard and keep this game within reach despite the amount of injuries. I mean, you lose Daquan Jones, you lose Matt Milano, and you already had a liability at corner going into the game starting because you lost Tredavious White uh, the year prior or the week prior. So the ability to do what they did in the circumstances was impressive. And that's why I have a real tough time getting on him. I thought when it when it really mattered most, the defense made a play. When it really mattered most, the offense was, was nowhere to be found. Uh, and that's what this game kind of boils down to, to me. Just uh, just no, it just, it, it seemed, didn't you have the vibe really early where you're like, man, the offense just isn't going to be here today. How many times did they have to punt away the ball and not get a first down for that to become quite clear? Because we had not seen through the first three weeks here the Bills come out that flat in a quarter. They were they were flatter than a soda left out on the back porch. I mean, it was just nowhere. They've had drives early in the season here where they haven't gotten it going on the first drive, maybe, but in a first quarter, they 100 percent you know, got it rolling to some capacity. They just woof. Nothing. And, you know, last week was so big in terms of the division, huge. You had to have it. But to turn around and kind of donate a victory based on just not not coming close to performing your best, um, it, it sucks to immediately turn around and, and, and hand that back. Now, let's look ahead here. Games behind us. Congrats to the Jags. Had a terrific game plan. Executed it. Offense looks looked great. Running game was terrific. Trevor Lawrence stepped up when he needed to the most. Had a great day, in my opinion. Defense was phenomenal. The other Josh Allen, uh, and, and frankly, we can't even say that anymore. The last two times the Bills have played the Jaguars, they have lost. And Josh Allen, the Jaguars' Josh Allen, had been a major reason why. So I will have to refer to Josh Allen as the Josh Allen when we talk about the Jags until the Bills dethrone him because – the last two times Josh Allen has had a day, and he did again uh, yesterday. Defense played great, and I thought overall Jaguars just a better team out on the field yesterday. So they moved to three and two. Bills are three and two. How do we look moving forward here? Well, the Bills have uh, an incredibly light schedule, in my opinion, moving forward, which, hey, 
we'll take it because the, the Dolphins last week get roughed up by Buffalo, but they immediately get to go and play the Giants. And then this coming week, they play the Carolina Panthers. They were 14-point favorites last week against the Giants. They're also 14-point favorites this week against the Panthers. So it's not like it's uh, just a major advantage to Buffalo. There's other teams in the league that we're competing with that are having similar uh, advantages here. But the Bills are up against the Giants this coming week, like I mentioned earlier in the show, over a two-touchdown favorite in this game. Uh, And then the following week, they are taking on the Patriots, where I know it's in New England, so the point spread might be a bit less, but I can't imagine the Bills are anything less than 10-point favorites in that game. Then it's Tampa Bay, who has been better than we thought they'd be. There was arguments to to be had as the season began that the Bucs could maybe be the worst team in the league. They've been anything but really competitive early on. Baker Mayfield seems to have found a new stride. But, you know, the Bills' better team in that game, a primetime game under the lights, that that's a that's a Bills win all day if they don't just not show up and if they can execute on offense. The Bengals game looks a bit different today, I have to admit, after what we saw from Cincinnati yesterday. Now, I, I, I'm a big advocate of not putting a ton of uh, all your eggs in one basket after just one win or one game. I didn't want to put all my eggs in one basket after the Jets loss. I didn't want to put all my eggs in one basket after the Raiders win. Started to put more of those eggs in the basket after three consecutive wins like that, but, you know, have to remove a couple today after yesterday. Uh, the Bengals have looked horrendous through the first month, one of the worst offenses in the league going into yesterday, and all of a sudden, out of seemingly nowhere, uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase looked like the most prolific duo in the entire league yesterday. Jamar Chase had, what did he have? 15 catches, uh, yeah, 15 catches, just shy of 200 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. I mean, that's a Randy Moss type day. So all of a sudden, I, I, I need to see it again. I, I, I have to see another game like this from the Bengals in order to say that they are back to what we expected them to be because they had strung together four consecutive stinkers. Um, and they have a real tough go of it. They have a Seahawks team coming in this week that is never an easy out. That could be a real competitive game. And then right before the Bills-Bengals game, the week prior, the Bengals have to play the 49ers, who I know I had said last week it seemed like the Bills and the 49ers were on an even playing field. Ah, man, no, no, I can't say that today. No, I'm sorry. I can't. Uh, with the injuries now with Buffalo and just uh, now two of two of five games where the offense has just not showed up. We have five consecutive weeks for five straight weeks. And really dating back to the regular season of last year, not including the playoffs where they were so injured that Christian McCaffrey almost had to play quarterback. We, we have now like 14 or 15 consecutive weeks of utter domination from the San Francisco 49ers. I was wrong to anoint the Bills on that same level um, because the Bills did it three straight weeks. The, the Niners have done it five straight weeks. You could argue 14 straight weeks uh, of regular season football. There's a difference. There is. When the Bills are playing their best of their best, they're as good as anybody. But the thing, the difference is the Niners are playing the best of the best every single week. Every single week this season, they have scored 30 or more points, and their defense is unbelievable, and they're healthy. 
They're healthy. They're as healthy as they've ever been. Brock Purdy has the best. He has the best passer rating in the league right now. I don't know how much of that game you watched last night. They beat the Cowboys 42 to 10. And Christian McCaffrey barely broke 50 rushing yards. They're loaded. They're absolutely loaded. And Purdy was dicing it up all night. He had four touchdowns himself. And just guys that all of a sudden you forget about, like they haven't used uh, George Kittle at all through the first month. And then all of a sudden last night, boom, out of nowhere, he's got three touchdowns. They're on a, they're on a roll. They're on a roll. Um, and the Bengals, the reason I bring them up, the Bengals are playing them the week prior to playing the Bills. So we'll see what Cincinnati's really all about. Cincinnati, who looked real good yesterday against the Cardinals, who've been better than advertised. Uh, we'll see the true colors of the Bengals over the next couple of weeks here, and we'll know better going into that Bills game what version of them we might see. But either way, um, through the first month, the Bills have certainly played better football than the Bengals, and that's that's uh, four weeks from now. But then it's a Broncos team. Uh, holy hell. If you're allowing 31 points to the Jets, I, I, I got nothing for you. Like I told you last week, the Broncos are on pace to be one of the worst or to be the worst defense in NFL history. Not one of. They're on pace to be the worst total de- scoring defense in the in the history of the league. That's how bad it's been. I mean, how Sean Payne, I don't even know how he's getting out of bed right now. You clown, you absolutely embarrass Nathaniel Hackett the way you do in the preseason, telling the entire world that Nathaniel Hackett just pulled off one of the worst coaching jobs he's ever seen, and you lose by 10 to him, a team that can barely manage a touchdown in a game through the first month or so. You allow that team to score 31. I can't, I don't know how anybody in the world right now could be more embarrassed than, than Sean Payton this morning. Just a, laughable how bad that team is. It is, it is off the charts bad. And that's who the Bills are taking on um, on no, November 13th. And that, of course, another primetime game. And then it's the Jets, right? Who they're looking much better over the last two weeks than we thought. But as I keep saying, I'll be damned if the Jets go into Buffalo and beat the Bills twice this year. I mean, I will be damned. I don't know. I, they're going to be amped as, as absolute hell going into that game. The Bills are. I, I can't fathom the Bills losing to the Jets twice. This time in Buffalo, they'll be ready. Uh, it's not until about December, right before the bye, where things really start to get gauntlet type. You know, Eagles, bye, Chiefs, Cowboys. Chargers, Pats, Dolphins. I mean, that's six games right there, not including the Patriots. That five of those six games are like playoff type games, really. But here's the silver lining after yesterday. The Bills get to follow that game up against the Giants. At home, in primetime, reestablish some confidence. Nothing better than dominating in primetime because everybody sees it. You have a game like you do against the Dolphins where you dominate. It's great, but it's not like those moments where you get to do it on the grand stage and everybody sees it. Perfect opportunity for the Bills to do that this coming Sunday. Then it's New England. You got two games here where the Bills would have to really, really, really shit themselves to not go out and win by by double digits minimum. Um, and then you have a very winnable game in the, uh, in Tampa Bay. We'll see what what's up with Cincinnati going into that game. It's in Cincinnati. Will never be easy, but you know it all depends on which version of each team shows up. 
But then after that, Broncos, Jets. So it's advantage Buffalo over the next couple of months here. It's advantage Buffalo the next couple of months here. We have got to find out during this time. I don't know how easy of a... you know, how easy it's going to be to do so. I don't know how much we're going to be able to tell about this defense and where they're going to be without Milano and Daquan Jones and, um, and Tredavious White when, when you're playing against Mac Jones and Daniel Jones. I, I don't know how much you can pull away from that because you got defenses that are much lesser than the Bills making those guys look like high school quarterbacks. So... I don't know how much we're going to be able to pull from this. And this is why I said earlier, we're back to base one. You, you, get, you get embarrassed by the Jets. No one's going to take you serious until the Dolphins game. You destroy the, the Raiders. Nobody cares. You destroy the Commanders. Nobody cares. You go and destroy the Dolphins. Okay, everybody's bought back in. If you notice coming into this week, the Bills were number one or number two or number three in everybody's power rankings. Everybody's. And they were not, some had them not even in the top 10 after the Jets game, right? So everybody's bought back in. Now you're back to base one again. You, you really get rolled. I know that the, the, the scoreboard might not reflect it, but you really get rolled by the Jags. And now you have two consecutive games against bottom feeders where nobody's going to care. And it's really not once again, it's, it's almost identical of a scenario. Nobody is going to care probably about the, pro, the, the prominence of the bills and their ability to do what we expect of them or hope of, of them until that Bengals game, November 5th, which is either Monday night football or Sunday night football. So almost back to exactly where we were. Uh, like I said, the, the, the tough thing here is how we are going to be able to discern from this Bills defense what they're capable of against Mac Jones and Daniel Jones. I just don't think there's a capability of doing so. So I think we'll, we will get some we will un, get some sort of understanding against Tampa. I think Tampa's offense is better than people think. Mike Evans has really been re- he's been playing really well. I think Baker, despite what you expected of him, I think he's been playing some some pretty good football through the first month. You know, Tampa Bay's got some guys, so that'll be probably the first opportunity to take a look. I I, I don't know what the play is here. I, I I'm waiting for a move. Josh Norman's not the play. I had I was on with Rico the other day. We were talking about what what the Bills might do at the cornerback position, and we were talking about you know a guy that we threw out there, and many people have as well as Pat Sertan of the Broncos. And we were talking about hey, you know if the Bills are going to do that, they're going to have to cut Tre'Davious White. They're going to have to do that. You, you you can't keep both. You're going to have to move on from Trey White in order to free up the cap space to re-sign uh, Pat Sertan to a second deal. He's still on his on his rookie deal, I believe. Um, but I had said, let's just see how this plays out. The Bills have a terrific defensive personnel, and we might not notice as much as many maybe other teams would with this big of a loss. We might not notice it as much, the Tredavious White loss, with as good as our other units are on defense. That's different today. Matt Milano's gone. That changes everything. So you see yesterday two things. You see Matt Milano's gone, and that in itself, Tredavious White in there or not, is about as big of a blow as his defense could possibly face. But then two, you see the replacement for Tredavious White get his lunch money taken from him, beat up. And Calvin Ridley is certainly a real good, uh, a real good wide receiver. 
but he's not Jamar Chase, who the Bills are going to have to go up against. He's not A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith, who the Bills are going to have to go against. You know, you got they got C.D. Land coming up. You got Keenan Allen coming up. You got, once again, uh, Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill coming up. So there are plenty of teams the Bills have left on their schedule that have either similar wide receiver talent or better. So I don't know what the move is here today, but I feel much, much stronger about figuring something else out outside of the building than I did the other day. With Milano gone now and watching Elam put together the game he did yesterday, I think we saw yesterday the reason why he has not been active the first month. I was pulling for him. And listen, unfortunately, the NFL is not is not there to give you a numerous game stretch of opportunities. In a situation like that, you gotta either you gotta either pull up and make it happen or it's next man. The Bills are far too good to be able to sit on their laurels with a guy that has not been capable of getting himself on the active roster coming out of the first round. So Balls in Brandon Bean's court. I think something's got to be done, and Josh Norman off the street, isn't it? You know, like I mentioned earlier, it, is it better than Elam right now? Maybe, probably. I don't know how it couldn't be. Not much. It wouldn't take a whole lot. Yesterday was really, 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 really bad. So it wouldn't take a lot. The other thing, too, is I don't know what the deal was with Von Miller yesterday. I don't know what the point was. I got. I, I haven't even checked this because I just I've had a million other things that have been just occupying my mind in, in in not a good way. How many snaps did Von Miller even play yesterday? All of a sudden, Rich Eisen was like, "Oh, and by the way, Von Miller." After you know, there was like already like three injuries. Yeah, 20 snaps. I wouldn't even have guessed that. 20 snaps for Von Miller yesterday. Um, what was the point? I, I If you're not going to use them, then just don't use them at all and keep them healthy because we cannot afford that anymore. We cannot afford that on top of it. Isn't it just unbelievable, though? As soon as, as soon, literally like the day... Von Miller was eligible to practice the Monday after the Dolphins game. So literally less than 24 hours before that, you get him, he's coming back. You know this, he's coming back. And you lose three starting defenders, two in which are all pros. I get what you guys are saying to get him ramped up. I understand it. I get it for sure. Uh, I just thought it was interesting to see him make that trip without practicing really at all off the injury, go out there, and then all of a sudden he's got his hat on. Um, but look at whatever. It, I don't know if it would have made much of a difference yesterday because I, the, the defense was doing just fine when they needed to. I don't think Vaughn's winning that game for the Bills yesterday based on what the offense. I don't think any, I mean, unless he went out there and had two pick sixes, that would have helped, but I doubt that. Um, Edict's coming in here. Hey, Rev, use Z-Bot and Rico all make great content for the Bills. Oh, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Honestly, I thought you were, I thought on your profile pic, you were wearing a, uh, some Jags gear. So I wanted to shout you out for being a, a, a fair and honest fan, which I always love. There's not a whole lot of them out there, but even better, you're a Bills fan. So I love that. Um, thank you very much. So, and, and you, like I keep saying, you can't go out these next two weeks and be like, hey, the secondary is looking good. Well, of course they are. Of course they are. 
They're going against two of the worst quarterbacks in the league with nobody to throw the ball to. I mean, guys, Mac Jones right now. That poor kid. I mean, holy hell. You know, I saw a stat yesterday. This is insane. You know, Mac Jones already in his career, how many years has he been with the Patriots? Three is his third year. Through three years, Mac Jones already has more pick sixes at Gillette Stadium than Tom Brady had in over 20-plus years as a New England Patriot. One of the most insane stats I've ever seen. He's a, it's, 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 it's bad in New England, guys. I didn't think it would be this bad. I knew they weren't going to be good. They don't have the talent to be good. They just don't. But... 34 to nothing to the Saints, right? Like the Saints haven't been close to a, a dominant football team. They're still trying to figure it out with Derek Carr. 34 to nothing. And the week before that, 38 3 to the Cowboys. 72 to 3 in two games. Not good. Just really, really bad. Um, so I don't know. Balls and beans court. Part of me, part of me has that mentality of look at the Bills have showed you when they have the adequate talent out there, they can they can be the best get, they can be the best team in football any given Sunday. If they want to show up the way that they're capable of, they can be the best team in the, in the NFL at any given Sunday, or at least the best team in the AFC. So part of me is like, do you want to just be like the Rams and do whatever it is you got to do right now to get that defense back in place and and whatever else. Part of me has that type of feeling because I don't know if you can sit back right now after losing Milano, Tredavious White, and Daquan Jones. Um, and I don't think you can sit back on what this cornerback unit is currently. I, I just don't know. Because yesterday, I went into it with the mindset this Bills D is good enough to circumvent the loss of Tredavious White despite not having the corner talent. And I had also said, let's just give Kyir Elam a chance. Let's see what happens. And I mean, got those words fired right back at me. You lose Milano and Kyir Elam couldn't have played worse. So you can't just sit back because it's just going to continue to happen. Time will tell. Two real good bounce back opportunities coming up. One coming up in particular this coming week against our old pal, Brian Dable, Joe Shane, and the the legend, Ty God. I love Ty God. I hope, uh, I hope the Bills don't hit him too hard. I love Tyrod. I always have. I always will. Big Tyrod fan. I hope. Uh, I hope when they inevitably do sack him, you know they, they ease up when they take him to the ground. That's all. I love Tyrod. That's going to be a rough, rough night for him. I anticipate, and uh, a good get right spot. Gotta have it, of course. I can't foresee a, a, a scenario where they don't. But right before we, we close up shop here, let's just talk about, you know, everybody, what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to be like other people I've seen where it's season's over and, uh, you know, not even going to make the playoffs. We can't be doing that. Come on. They played, they did not play well yesterday, but I, I am, I'm also much more willing Despite how mad I visibly was tonight, and despite the inadequacies yesterday, and despite you know any loss, especially one in a game where 
you know, you're about a touchdown favorite. You're expected to win. It's always going to sting. But the reason I'm willing to accept this a bit more than I was the Jets game is that one, it was a, a one-off circumstance. It's in London. I don't know how much that affected these guys. And you'd like to think it affected them a lot. And that's the reason the offense was so inept. You'd like to think that. Obviously, we don't know. But I'm, I'm willing to be a little more lenient from a fan perspective on what we saw yesterday because of that. I will say, had the Bills looked that way, this is the one benefit of it being in London, is, is, the, is my ability to say this. Had the Bills looked that way yesterday, but it was in Buffalo, I got to tell you, I'd be 10 times more concerned. I would be way more concerned if that game was in Orchard Park yesterday and the Bills played that exact same game. Like if the game itself yesterday was the exact same, but it was in Buffalo, I would feel 10 times worse. There's, there's some sort of uh, silver lining to be had here, knowing maybe the reasoning for it had something to do with being in London. Maybe we won't know until they get back home and, and, and we see what happens then. But um, I'm willing to be a little more lenient because of that. And, you know, maybe there is something to be said, putting all your effort into going out and smoking the dolphins. And yeah, yeah. You know, Rico and I talked about it earlier. I had said that this game had trap game written all over it. I just didn't think the bills were going to step into the trap. Um, they certainly did. And on top of that, the, the Jags were just the better team on the, on the field yesterday. Um, so maybe that had something to do with it too. You go out and you just roll Miami and you, and you take it easy the, the week after and it showed out on the field. Maybe that's that. I don't know. Um, but I'm not going to be the guy to say that it's all over and whatever else. Let's once again, take a look at the, the AFC standings as, as it currently sits. Um, you know, everybody else in the AFC right now, has had a game where they have not looked good at all. I mean, I don't know how much of the game you watched yesterday between the Ravens and the Steelers. You want to talk about handing a game away. The Steelers could, the Ravens could have been four and one yesterday in sole possession of the AFC North tied for the number one overall seed through five weeks. And they could not score all game, whatever, fine. Pittsburgh's got a good defense. It's a divisional game. They're always low scoring those games. But what, blew my mind is that it's third down and the Ravens are up 10 to eight. The Steelers could not sniff the end zone all game. Their offense is still as bad as it's been all year. It's third down in goal. If they don't score, the Ravens can kick a field goal. And there's only about, and there's only a couple minutes left. The Steelers would have to drive the length of the field, score a touchdown. If they did, if they do, which they did, if they do, then the Ravens are set up to go and kick a field goal to tie it. Instead, they draw up a corner fade to the pylon to an aging and double ACL-teared Odell Beckham Jr. Gone are the days where you're throwing a jump ball to Odell in the back corner of the end zone. The guy's off of two major surgeries and is not the spry 22-year-old New York Giant he used to be. It was horrendous. So, I mean, this is happening everywhere. Giving games away. How many games have the Chargers given away, right? Ravens gifted the Steelers a game yesterday. Like I said, 
The Steelers have a negative point differential. I can't remember the last time they've strung together two offensive touchdowns in the game. They're somehow leading, leading that division. We know how bad the Bengals have been. They got back on track yesterday, but they have been God awful. We'll see if they can keep it going after yesterday's performance. And then it's anybody's, it's anybody's race to win in the AFC South. Currently you have the Jags and the Colts tied up at three and two with the Texans and the Titans looming right there. The Texans have looked better than anybody could have imagined. And the Titans are always a tough out. Um, So there's only two, four and one teams left the dolphins and the chiefs, the bills play both of them uh, throughout the rest of the year here. So the bills are still in position to do what they want. Is it harder after yesterday's loss? It certainly is, but I'm not here to say that it's over because it certainly isn't. The Bills have three games coming up that should all be victories, two which you can almost all but guarantee despite an absolute collapse. So I'll, I'll leave you with this as we end the show tonight. Last year, the Bills were six and three at one through nine games. The Bills were six and three. And if the Bills go out and beat the Giants, which they should, if they go out and beat the Patriots, which they should, if they go out and beat the Bucks, which they should. The Bills will be 6-2 and two heading into Cincinnati. Should they lose any of those games? I don't care which one. I can't imagine losing one more than one over the next four. So no matter where it comes from, say the Bucks steal one from them, I don't know, but they beat the Bengals, whatever. The point remains. If things go the way that they should, they win the games that they should. After the Bengals game concludes, the Bills should have the exact same record that they had a season ago. And the Bills were in the race for the one seed all the way to the end. So yesterday sucked. The loss of Milano, it absolutely sucked. Season ain't over. It ain't over. They just got to figure out a way to get this offense to not have days where you go from looking like the best in the league to all of a sudden it can't be found. There needs to be some consistency every game. It doesn't need to be, every game doesn't need to be the, 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 the Dolphins game. It doesn't. But you need more than what it was yesterday on a consistent basis. And we'll see what they do to fill the gaps in on defense. It's a damn shame that defense was about as good as it gets. You hate to see these guys go down, especially, you know, I mean, my favorite player, I, I would say, on the Bills has been Matt Milano. I just love everything about him. I'm sick about it. But what are you going to do about it? You know, Bills, what are you going to do to step up and, uh, and, and avenge these guys? Time will tell. We back with you. Same place, same time next week, Monday night to recap Bills Giants. My mind can't think of anything other than like 38 to 10. I don't know. That's where I'm at. The Giants had a 102-yard pick six yesterday against the Dolphins. They still got um, they still got almost doubled up. The Dolphins didn't even play that well yesterday. Two really bad interceptions from Tua, including that. Longest play of the year, pick six, 102 yards. They still won 31 to 16. So make of that what you will. Should be a good tune-up game. Hopefully they take advantage. We'll be recapping that one a week from tonight. Same place, same time right here on the Smoke Break Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. And we will also look forward to our third divisional clash of the year and our first against the New England Patriots. Can't wait for it. I'll see you then. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Put this one behind you. And as always. Wait, you know what? I'm already all the way out in the outro almost. 
I haven't read any of these super chats. Let me stop for two seconds. Oh, I do this all the time. I already got these two. Okay. I, I knew I missed one. Greg, unlock your door. She's in here. Ladies locked out. Namdi, we got her in here. Thank God you guys are the best for, for looking after sweet Caroline. It's James who I forgot. James, brother, I'm so sorry. I don't know how many times I have to do this to learn a lesson, but clearly not enough. James says, Zbot, what would you give up for Sertan at this point? What would I give up? Well, we talked about it a bit earlier, but I guess the best thing I could say at this point, what I would give up, which I think is a much harder pill to swallow than uh, than I thought, I, 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 would, I would move on from Tredavious White if I had to, unfortunately. Pat Sertan is, I think, 23 years old. Tredavious White's going to be 30. He's off of two major injuries now. I hate this. Me and Rico had a very lengthy conversation about this the other night. It, it hurts me to my core. It's just soulless. Like, to me, it's just, it's so inhumane to just be like, oh, my God, hey, you, got, you gave us the best years of your life and you blew out your leg twice, but we got we to gotta move on. Unfortunately, that is the nature of this cold, cold business. It is. And uh, that's what that's why Brandon Bean makes as much money as he does to be the guy to have to go in and do this. And unfortunately, you know, gun to my head, I am. I'm clearing the cap space. I'm getting rid of Tredavious White and I'm finding a way to get a guy like Patrick Tanner, maybe somebody else who's available to come in and, 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 and fill in here, because I just don't know how you can continue to go to the rest of the year with a guy like Kyrie Elam, who won, got an opportunity yesterday and was not even close to living up to the billing or even close to being able to show us anything to keep him in that role. Um, and two, up until then, wasn't even on the active roster. Something's got to give. We'll see what they do. Interesting. All right. I'm out. Go Bills. Good for you. Come on. We'll think of another place. Come with me. Let's have a smoke break. Nah, it's just a normal break. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.